listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. So, RJ, we were talking about Damian Lillard's 61-point performance last night. The Blazers now find themselves in the eighth seed to try and obtain that final playoff spot in the Western Conference with play-in games coming up this weekend. So, Fez, you project that the betting market will make the Lakers favored in the series over the Blazers if it happens. What was that number? Minus 300. 300. So what you're saying is the market's saying, and there's, there's vigorous in there, there's the commission in there, but the market's saying it's like hmm, less than 25% chance, or actually more than 25% chance, but by a smidge that the Blazers are going to win. Yes. What do you think the true odds are? I think it's better for Portland 30%. 30%. So Jonas, almost one in three Almost that the that the eighth seed beats the one. Now I still remember Matumbo holding the ball after I what was it Seattle I think yeah Seattle Denver was yeah. that a five game series though five games yes yeah has the eight beat the uh, one in a seven game series? I don't know if that was before the Knicks in the mid nineties. Yeah, or well, if it was after. well, the Knicks was ninety nine. It was a strike year. Oh right? yeah, ninety nine. So, yeah, I don't know. Or, if that or was... the holdout year. Yeah. So, hmm. Wow, I don't know because they did make the finals, right? Yeah. So, this would be shocking. I mean, Collins already doing his post mortem on the Lakers. We <laughs> talked about that. Jonas, what is it that makes you optimistic? It seems like you haven't been rattled at all. Not that you're a big Lakers supporter, but you haven't really been um you don't question them as much as other people are why is that well no i mean i think portland is a scary matchup for anybody right now my my big question mark is maybe we can't take the same narratives and the same discussions that we would normally take into a normal uh, NBA playoff series. I don't know that we can do that for the bubble because, man, maybe Portland has just adapted better than everyone else. So I do think the Lakers, it is cause for concern, but I think ultimately when you've got to rely on a guy to score 61 points and and you still could have lost that game from last night, I just wonder if he's got enough help around him. Yeah, so so you're saying part of it is pro or, or or not so skeptical about the Lakers, but also you're more skeptical about the Blazers than a lot of people are right now. I, I would just say that it feels like there's a lot of hype around Dame Lillard. All of that is warranted, but it still feels like a tall task to try and get past LeBron James and Anthony Davis in a seven-game series. Now, Fez – you're a big fan of Dame Lillard. In fact, at various points at your house with your small child and your wife, at times you're shout out. It's Dame time. <sighs> I mean, listen, I pre I love that you're comfortable with it. It's- From the parking lot, RJ. 35 footer. <laughs> you know what's funny? It's just like Steph, a guy like Fezzik could dream that he could be Dame. Like you don't, you can't dream you're going to be Kevin Durant, <laughs> right? But you can dream. I mean, you you and Dame's about the same height. Maybe Steve. Slightly Kerr. a slightly different body type. A yeah. Slightly, yes. I mean, but you know, you got better hair. I mean, because you got better hair than anybody. <laughs> Research McKenzie comes up with it. The We Believe Warriors in 2008 beat the Mavs. Recall. That's right. Yep, that's right. And the Knicks, though, was a five-game series in 99. They went over the heat. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're on it here, straight out of 
Vegas. Okay, the Phoenix Suns, three points better since the bubble. Upgrade, upgrade three points. Blazers, three and a half. I make the case the Suns have been more impressive in the bubble. Why Blazers bigger upgrade? Because the Phoenix upgrade is largely just based upon their level of play. They played seven solid games, but with the solid. Seven and zero straight up. Seven—that's called perfection. Yes, and Booker is playing tremendous. They're superstar, but there's no additions to the team to explain why so this the, should be so, a better team. So the upgrade is how well they've played in these seven games. Yes, the Blazers have played well in these games, not as well, but there's other reasons to upgrade them. Exactly right. If you look at the personnel, Nurkic was coming off a broken leg. He looks a hundred percent, and Gary Trent Jr. This is a 21-year-old guy. Now his dad is Gary Trent Sr. He I is. know that. And he, and the junior did not move the needle at all prior to the pandemic. After he's making more than half his threes, averaging 18 points per game, he's been a difference maker. Now a skeptic would say seven games for a guy that hadn't any pedigree. How excited do you get? I wouldn't if it would have been a 30-year-old, but here's a 21-year-old second-year guy that clearly has brought his game to a new level. That's Steve Fezzik and Marjay Bell straight out of Vegas. Okay, so that Phoenix team, though, you've got them ranked eighth in the West, and there's one playoff team that is worse than them, the Utah Jazz. So Jazz might be fourth, fifth seed, but you've got them the ninth best. What is it that makes you so skeptical about the Jazz? Yeah, so the Jazz, Bogdanovich opted out, so he's their long-range bomber. And frankly, the Jazz haven't played very well in the bubble, two and five. So not a lot to be excited about from the Jazz. Okay, so at 6.30 Eastern, we've got Sixers and Raptors. Uh, I think the Sixers might be injured and with questionable motivation. Raptors lane six, pregame.com. Faz, you want to just pick one and I'll bet against you? <laughs> like, like whoever you want. I'll pick Toronto because they've just been consistently good throughout the ball. Nah, I'm not betting the Sixers. Are you crazy? <laughs> Are you crazy? Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. All right, Joe, I think we maybe talk a little college football because would you agree? Let me maybe start by asking you, would you agree the fact that the Big 12 is putting out a schedule and all that, that's probably better than we would have expected 48 hours ago? Yeah, I would say so because everyone looked at the Big 12 as maybe being sort of the linchpin, you know, uh, majority rules. If a third Power 5 decided Mm -hmm. to opt out, it would be a problem. The fact that they met for about an hour and they came out and less than 24 hours later, they released a schedule including non-conference opponents and they released their new testing protocols, which include, uh, include heart monitoring throughout the week in case anything happens. That tells me they're serious about wanting to play. So I really do respect the way that you consume so much of the media and you tend to distill it down to what matters, in my opinion. And we're lucky to have you on the show. Last two days, how is your mind? What information has caused you to say, hmm, and, and maybe not change your opinion of all this, but rather bring it to our attention, the noteworthy thing or two? 
Uh, I would say that when the rumors came out that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 were thinking about shutting it down, that you had a lot of people shouting from the mountaintop saying, yes, it's the right thing. It's what they should do. And I think that there was so much momentum in that in that way that it started getting everyone to feel like, man, we're not going to get any college football. And then when you had the SEC come out and then you had the ACC come out and then you had smaller conferences like the AAC and the Sun Belt all come out and say no we're okay playing and then the big 12 on top of it it feels like the pendulum has swung the other way and people are more and more optimistic about the possibility of having a season if i offered you and i'm not looking to bat it but if you had a 50 50 bat is there you know let's just say this if army plays somebody or whatever which you know hey congrats but is there going to be like a hundred plus college football games this year would you bet yes or no i would bet yes Fast? Yes. Really? And I would have bet no yesterday. So what what causes that? Well, the mere fact that the dominoes aren't falling. The other major conferences. So the are- dominoes, as in, once the two went, you would have expected the other three to go, exactly. or at least one of them, and then it puts more pressure on the other two. Exactly. Think about just five months ago when all the college basketball tournaments got taken off the board. As soon as one of them decided not to play all of them within, you know, half a day canceled their conference tourneys. That's not happening here. And I think that it's always hard to tell. Is it the merit of the situation? Whereas I think with COVID in hindsight, that those decisions, there wasn't really an alternative to make. So I don't think it was so much a domino. It was just the facts being obvious to everybody. Here, I do think the facts aren't obvious. I've asked this of other people. Let me ask it of you is if we analyze the risk, not even versus the reward, but what's the downside? It strikes me that if you take out all the equal things, every, what's left is if you play, you have additional contact with other people by playing, practicing and playing. No doubt that increases your risk, just that. The upside of playing is you have a, the best medical care, Everyone around you is getting tested, and there's a sense you're part of something bigger than yourself. Most kids feel like they're indestructible, especially a Division I athlete, but now it's not about them getting you know, sick. It's about the team maybe suffering if they get sick because they might be, you know, give it to somebody else. And it strikes me, and this uh, is a piece of information that's been making the rounds as you know, people are talking about the second leading cause of death for youngsters the age of college athletes is suicide. And if you think about it, what, you know, I don't think in any one case you can explain why suicide happens, but I think overall, in a, in a macro sense, it happens because of hopelessness, of the, the tomorrow won't be better, right? If you're in pain, the only thing you hope for is that tomorrow is going to be better. And a year is a long time. I mean, it's been a long time since you were 18, 20 years old. <laughs> but it, it, you think about how long your junior year of high school was. I mean, the endless Friday nights alone. I mean. I was at the chess club. <laughs> there you go. The endless nights at the chess club. And it, these kids have irrational exuberance about their potential. It might be a kid that's not even starting, that's a junior, that's thinking they could go to the league. And, and that's part of the joy of it, right? They, everyone thinks they have a chance, 
you just got to wonder. Maybe, obviously, there will be, I think you would expect. Eh, I, yeah, I would bet if I could bet. I don't know for sure, but would there be, like, additional drastic actions taken by teens or the players because they don't have football? I think it's very possible, yeah. And I also think that even if the lack of discipline or the lack of mm, focus on their own health means that they start hanging out with people without worrying about social distancing. I would make the case that you balance those two things, that that at worst it's a net neutral to play, and I think there's probably a slight lean that it's a positive to play if you only look at the COVID. Yeah, I agree, and it's a great point that if I could bet Who's going to, what team is going to have more COVID cases, USC, a Pac 12 team, or uh, an SEC team that plays like Alabama? I actually think it's more likely the kids from a USC would catch it because they're not going to be social distancing away from the ballpark like they, the teams that play will. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I also think to your point, RJ, when you talk about, you know, kids not having hope and they work all this time and, and all these years, a majority of them are never going to get a shot at the NFL. This is their last chance to suit up and go do something they really, really, truly love with the guys that they've been playing with for the past three, four years. What's even worse than that is the fact that they're going to see other people get to do it. And that's going to be a reminder every oh, that's single an interesting week. Point. Every single I mean, week, they're going to see someone have what they can't have because somebody up top made a decision for them. And you got the Big Ten saying, Nebraska, if you play anywhere, you're yeah. out of the conference. Now, we this is research we did, pregame.com. Mackenzie, good work here. Suicide rate in athletes versus the general population of that age. So, student athletes, suicide rate. One in 100,000. Okay. 18 to 22, general population, 12 in 100,000. 12 times as many suicides for non-student athletes. Now, is that chicken and the egg, right? So on one hand, you could say the, um, the team connection and all that gives you a sense of purpose and all that so you don't feel hopeless or are the type of people who tend to be hopeless not the types that can participate in sports. So I think there's two sides to it for sure, but it's unequivocal. It's not 12X. I mean, go ahead, Jen. Think about this. How many kids who went to either Iowa or Iowa State were recruited by the other school? Majority, because that's those are the rival schools mm. you're in state. The fact that you're an Iowa player and you chose to go to Iowa and you don't get to play this year – but the school in your own state, Iowa State, does, that would really piss me off if I was an Iowa football player. I'd be really, really bothered by the idea of that. you got to wonder, because after the – as we talked about, the presidents who voted um, to suspend or not play the fall, uh, in some cases, most certainly, in many cases, it was political pressure. It was pressure where – not even political pressure. I think it was – the risk is to play. The safe decision is not to play. And thus, these are political animals, not like vote for Trump or vote for Biden political, but infighting the politics of a, a university, right? And the people who become presidents are the best at that. They're the best at the political game. But then with all of the pushback, the hashtag and it became there was pressure on both sides. It was now if you vote not to 
play, there's pressure there too. The fact they didn't defer it, the fact that they, I think everyone assumed the Big Ten was going to wait a couple weeks at this point. Yeah. The fact they said, no, let's just end this now, that surprised me. What, I mean, Jones, what do you think caused that? I mean, it seems like it makes them seem reactionary. If they wait and maybe even some spikes happen and, and they can make their case better, why vote and not just wait a couple weeks to decide for sure. I wonder if they just wanted to be the first ones out. If they wanted to be the first Which ones. Which would be political, right? Yeah, it would which, be like, yeah. we're that woke. Yeah, that, and that that's my only thing. I wonder if they thought, all right, we're going to be the first ones out. Everyone's going to cancel anyway. So as long as we're the first ones, we can show that we're setting the precedence on, uh, precedent on what to do here as far as how to deal with COVID moving forward with fall football, only to find out it was only the Pac-12 that's joining them. And as of right now, majority of the Power Fives are playing. And listen, if you're someone on the left progressive and you're saying, come on, guys, it's just the facts. Listen. If you don't think that with some people, I think a majority of people that are politically cognizant, that are thinking about it, it's become an identity. If you're right or left, it's equally true, right? If you're on the left, is the general ethos, the beliefs of the left is something that you feel often strongly about. And if you're on the right, it's the same thing. And things that don't even seem political are, and to act like, to say that you're skeptical that anything is political, meaning that I don't care what it is, there's probably a political out. Oh, look, there's red on that shampoo bottle. I don't, I'm blue, baby. I don't, I mean, it's really, that might be a little extreme, but I'm not sure. It's not that far. So I think Jonas's theory is, is at least reasonable at minimum. As an Ohio State grad, I think we're in the wrong conference. I thought Big Ten, I thought the Big Ten was about football, right? I get that there's good school. I mean, Northwestern's not good, but I mean, there's good schools in the Big. And Ohio, Ohio State's like 40th in the country academically, but they they had the heart of an SEC team. I think it's fair oh, to say. Oh, no doubt. Straight out of Vegas. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. So, RJ, the countdown continues from Las Vegas. The 32 teams in the NFL, 32 all the way down to one. And now we find ourselves at team number 21 in the NFC North. Chicago Bears and Fez, you got a best bet. It's not a lean. So hit us with the best bet. Yeah, best bet under eight wins. Got to pay a little extra vig on this one. It's all about Chicago won eight games last year, and the season win number is eight. Why shouldn't it be the same? And here's why, RJ. That eight wins last year put an asterisk by those eight wins, and here's why. Week 17 against Minnesota. Minnesota rested all their starters at home. Mannion quarterbacked Minnesota. Minnesota basically gifted the game, if you will, to the Bears because it meant nothing to Minnesota, and the Bears just barely won it. I don't believe they would have won that game. Yeah, okay, so they should have maybe won set. Well, they had a chance to win the game, so maybe they picked up two-thirds of the win. That's the handicap? And the Bears got to play two games against the backup quarterbacks for Detroit, Driscoll and Blau. If Stafford had played... I would have expected Detroit would go 1-1, one one, but Detroit went 0-2 against the Bears. The Bears win both those games, both of them close. They could have gone either way. Bears just barely beat right, so back saying, scrubs. You're saying if the Bears are as good as they were last year, under eight's a good bet. 
Do you think they're as good? Do you think they're worse? What do you think about the, the truth of the Bears? I think they're just about the same. The big question, can the Bears be better at quarterback? Because Trubisky does not appear to be the answer. You bring in Foles, some optimism about that. But with it being a COVID year and everything, you have to question whether Foles is going to be an upgrade because limited Or you got a question. Time. I mean, here's the thing. Mike Lombardi, friend of the show, made a good point here. He said, if they put Trubisky on the bench, if they bench him, He's done in Chicago the first time they bench him. So they got to start Trubisky. And remember, we've actually got both sides of this bet in in a way that we're going to win no matter what. We took plus money both times, guys. This was beautiful. But at this point, I think Trubisky has to start almost. There's There's no preseason game. And if you start with him on the bench, that's it. Where do you go from there? You get one more shot with Trubisky. You know how it is? You're not a smoker. I'm not a smoker. But in college, I had a cigarette or two. You have a lighter. You try it three times, and it doesn't light. But lo and behold, before you throw it away, you try it one more time. Trubisky, we're going to try that lighter one more time if you're the Bears. Probably not going to light, but you're not paying anything more to try it one more time. So I think it's going to be Trubisky early. Do you consider that to be good or bad for your bet? I consider it to be good because there's a possibility. There's a higher ceiling for Foles. But bottom line, I went back Foles. If you go back seven years, well below average QBR. Make even it, with that monster year. Well, yeah. Make it official. Official. Chicago Bears under eight wins, minus 125. 11-0 on his best bets. Though somehow there's no bets to settle for months and months <laughs> for a long time. He had one, one. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.